Welcome to the Totally Scottish Football Show, the podcast with more opinions than a Sunderland assistant manager. I'm Andrew Slavin, and just three weeks after the Premiership season kicked off, we have our first managerial casualty. No more Miller time at Livingston. Elsewhere, Scottish clubs in the top two tiers took a break from domestic action to fight it out in the knockout stages of the Betfred Cup. Seven Premiership heavyweights and Air United progressed to the quarter-finals. We'll be speaking to Dunfermline and Partick Thistle fans about what comes next now their cup adventure is over. But the adventure is far from over for Glasgow City women. They're into the last 32 of the Champions League, so we'll be hearing from Glasgow manager and former Scotland striker Scott Booth. Also on the agenda, plastic pitches and disco lights. Alongside me is JJ Bull from The Telegraph. And joining us in the studio from Airdrie in North Lanarkshire, now travelling all around Europe, covering football everywhere, it's journalist Kieran Canning. Kieran, you pleased to be on the show? Delighted. Yeah? <laughs> didn't, didn't sound it there when I said that, did I? Delighted. Delighted. Yeah. No, it was good. I, uh, I liked a League Cup round on a weekend. It reminded me of my youth. Mm. Coca-Cola Cup days. Wow, that takes me back. Yeah. Remember the bicycle that Stephen Glass got? Uh, explain. <laughs> he won the Coca-Cola Cup. Right. I think it was 95, oh god, I need to get this right, 95, 96, something like that. And uh, I think it was Stephen Glass got given a <laughs> a bike, a Coca-Cola bicycle. Did they ride it all the way back to Aberdeen in uh, celebration? I don't know. <laughs> where is that bike I now? wonder where that is now. Was it branded? Was it a branded Coca-Cola bike? Yeah, it was. It was cool. And it was that um, really cool um, Aberdeen strip at the time as well. It had North Sound Radio on the front of it. Yeah. God, I like that. Did bike. you look at yeah? Did you look at that bike and go, "Wow, I wish I was Stephen Class right now"? Uh, no, but I did want the bicycle. <laughs> it was cool, and that is what I remember of the Scottish League Cup. Kieran, where have you been this summer? Uh, many places, Russia, particularly for the World Cup, which was pretty good. I was uh, in Saint Petersburg in Moscow. Nice. In Kiev before that for the uh, Champions League final, so I've had my fill of uh, Eastern Europe this summer. Mm, showing off. I know. Travelling. Looking forward to talking about Dunfermline then. Exactly. It's very similar. Yeah. What, yeah. what Russia and Dunfermline? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Boyd. Kenny Miller's away. It's opened up big time for Miller. He is the man for the old firm occasion. Miller has lost the defender. Oh, brilliant. There's only one place to start and that is with the first managerial casualty in Scottish football this season. Kenny Miller was appointed player manager of Livingston just seven weeks ago, but today Levy and Miller have parted company. Miller had talks with the board on Sunday, apparently raising issues he wasn't happy with. The board have reportedly wanted Miller to give up the player-manager role, which they felt wasn't working, and become a full-time manager. But Miller isn't willing to retire from playing yet. He's 38 years old. Is he finding it difficult to multitask? I've not heard of a player-manager since playing sensible world of soccer. <laughs> and uh, I mean, it's so difficult. I don't know if the game has moved on completely, but how do you... If he's learning how to do it and trying to like keep himself a top-level player, I mean... He's older, he's got to try hard. How does he manage all that time? His backroom staff must have done all the work. Yeah, and also... Not all the work, but you know, a lot. Of we speak about this quite often with captains. I think it might may, may be easier for like a centre-half, for example, to be a player-manager where the whole game's in front of them, yeah. everyone's closest to them, they can organise a bit more. Mm-hmm. Doing it as a striker, when you're so detached in many ways from, from the rest of the team, I think it's especially difficult. And yeah, it's like JJ was saying, he's, he's learning on the job 
as it is. So it's adding that extra layer of difficulty. And trying to then manage a team against like Celtic was their first game in the Premiership. Like, how do you coach players? And then, and also like, asking um, if he substitute himself on you know, or off, I want to know how he um, plans that. Does, does he have a game plan that says, right, if I am rotten in the 60th minute, take me off? Or does he does he say like I'm maybe having a bad game? Take me off. I need some because it's supposed to be so hard to concentrate fully on the game if you're also thinking about it. Players done it before. Apparently, like Johan Cruyff. I'm not comparing him to Kenny Miller, but when he used to play, everyone that's played with him said that he used to see everything in the pitch and he'd tell them where to go. So really, his coaches were more or less keeping him going. Do you know? Yeah, because like, you you get players like that that you can you can see that are very tactically disciplined and stuff. It's not something that throughout the years I've thought, oh, Kenny Miller. He'll make a great manager, you know. He was such a kind of like uh, freelancer up up front on his own, just running around trying to create something rather than necessarily someone that had a great great tactical brain. Anyway, it's not someone, yeah, I say that you would think. Well, that's it. Is Kenny Miller the best person to get the most out of Kenny Miller? Well, you know, maybe <laughs> yeah. Before the season started, we looked at this appointment as probably quite a good thing for Livingston. You know, you've got a player who works hard, he's got a decent pedigree, a lot, a lot of the players in that club could look up to Kenny Miller and be, right, let's raise our level a wee bit. And he was scoring goals last season as well. He was scoring goals. You I know, think the thing with Miller, and this is a bit of a stretch, but you know, you compare it to someone like Gerard or Gerard's connections in the game have managed to attract maybe a certain level of loan player or whatever that Rangers wouldn't be able to afford mm. without Gerrard's connections I think maybe Livingston were looking for that on a lower level that Miller would be a well known figure in Scottish football with connections that might be able sure. to bring in that quality of player which hasn't really happened so far I, mean, I imagine budgets are very tight yeah, yeah. That's, that'll be his big problem he's got that budget and he's played a 3-5-2 he's played a load of different formations actually he's mm. not seemed quite sure <laughs> try them all out yeah. he only had seven games to try and you know, <laughs> work it all out we're joined now by Livingston blogger Andrew Semple. You must be in shock, pal. It was late last night that the, the story broke and I got a message. I actually thought it was a wind-up at first. I thought someone was taking the mick out of me. Uh, but yeah, it just came completely out of the blue after all the optimism at the start of the season. How has Miller been playing? Because the, the issue seems to be that the board weren't particularly happy with him doing both roles at the same time. Is it his playing yeah. performance has been that bad that, that he needed to get rid? Yeah, to, to be to be perfectly honest, it, it's not really been working. I expected a little bit more from him. I understand he's, he's 38 and the, the latter end of his career, but uh, I expected a little bit more. Uh, the problem is but he, he drops deep quite a lot. And it's not really working. We've not looked a threat in front of goal at all. And I think the board expected, with the appointment of Kenny Miller, to get a, a striker that was going to score goals. And from the first few games, it didn't look like that was going to happen. And I think that might have been one of the issues that, that they were looking at. We don't have a lot of options at the moment. So he had to play himself. It wasn't that he, he couldn't play himself. The, the likes of Ryan Hardy, Rapper, the Vita are all out injured. So we're left with, with Kenny Miller, who's not no longer with us. Uh, Jack Hamilton, who's only just turned 18 and was on loan at League 2 last year. And Lee Miller, who's 35 and he can maybe last 60, 70 minutes. So we've not got a great deal of options, so he had to play. So do you think he's been maybe hard done by from the board? From my understanding, we've let, we've let him go. We've asked him to, to step into the manager's role and uh, step away from the playing side. Um, Looking at it from the outside in, trying to take my, my biased glasses off as well, 
probably yes. Uh, the club knew what we were letting ourselves in for. We we spent a lot of time chasing Kenny Miller. We knew that he was going to be the player manager. We knew he wanted to continue playing. And uh, just a few weeks out of the season, because it's not working, we, we now want to uh, take that contract away and just want him as the manager. I'd, I'd, from the outside looking in, it doesn't seem right to me. But yeah, that's just my honest opinion. What do you think is going to happen now? There is there is a certain manager with a link to Livingston who is still available. Ah, <laughs> oh, who is it? <laughs> David Hopkin, right? What do you think? Is it possible he come come back? It would be a daft move for us not to at least contact him. Whether he wants it, that's a different question. But I would certainly, if I was in charge, I would be on the phone. I would have been on the phone to him this morning, to be honest. The results we've been getting have been have been fairly predictable. You know, we won the the, the cup, the group fairly comfortably and we expected to do that even with Hamilton in there personally I expected us to win the group we won that at Acanto uh, we've taken on Celtic we've been competitive we've not been embarrassed we've then taken on Kilmarnock another top six team and we've more than held our own against them um, we could have nicked it but a draw was about right and then Saturday against Motherwell it was another game that could have went either way and uh, we've competed with them so it wasn't as if the performances have been poor it's, it's yeah it's just I don't know what to say. It's just a bit of a strange one out of the blue. <laughs> well, it turned out to be Miller's last game, but Motherwell won in the cup game. Um, Danny Johnson with a winner for Motherwell, who I actually think has been a real bright spark for them, despite um, not such a great start to their season. Motherwell they had the same problem last season in that they didn't start great. I think they lost the first two games as well, um, as they have in the league uh, this time round, but then came good. Obviously, the problem is that Mother will have every season is they bring guys in from the lower leagues in England. The ones that do well quickly move on. Mm-hmm. As you've seen with Kipri, for example, mm-hmm. um, and then replacing them. And it's one of those, you know, it's a, a thankless task to keep finding gems over and over and over again. I mean, I think they'll be fine. I, don't, I think between Livingston and St. Mirren and maybe even Hamilton, although we see that every year with Hamilton, they'll be fighting to stay up. I don't think Mother will have, have any problems in in that sense but whether they've got enough to, to fight for a top six place uh, I would doubt Let's go to Rugby Park and the man you can't keep out of the headlines this season another Alfredo Morelos masterpiece his hat-trick killed off Kilmarnock and led Rangers to a 3-1 win to advance to the last eight of the Betfred Cup Bordeaux are bidding for Morelos and Steven Gerrard told the club to show some respect after what he called a derisory bid. They can't afford to lose him, can they? I mean, he's good. I don't think it'd be the worst thing in the world. Really? Honestly, yeah. Like, the goals he scored were two advantage of mistakes. They were decent enough finishes. I don't know what it is. But it's the the perfect hat-trick. Header, right foot, left foot. And arguably scored a fourth that crossed the line and wasn't given oh, yeah. well yeah I think with, with Morelos he's, he's your typical confidence player that in the moment he's scoring goals we saw that at the start of last season as well when he went on that, that run mm-hmm. um, and then come the end of the season he missed quite a few chances and his head seemed to go go down a bit but I think he's, he's a good example of what Gerrard's done so far and not only I know he's brought in quite a lot of players but he's also revitalised quite a lot of the guys that were there last season and not performing mm-hmm. by the way Rangers are good again they are good. Yeah, they yeah, are. they are good. They look very well organised. They seem so well coached. 
Everyone knows their position and what they're doing. They're in the right position at the right time to keep forward passing going. They've got Morelos poaching around. The players Gerard is getting in are all expensive and they're on good wages. And they're about their coaching staff on good wages as well. Mm-hmm. So I know we were just looking through some of the coaching staff they've got. They've got Tom Culshaw, who came from assistant manager at Hull. And what was it, Michael Beale? Michael Beale. Who, where was he that was fancy? Like, he was in Brazil. That's right. He was. He was He was learning Samba football. They've got Samba Sao, football at Ibrox yeah, now. Yeah, Sao Paulo, he was at um, as assistant manager for a year, I think. Yeah. But they're just really well coached. And the players they've got in are just a step above. I think that little bit of fear has come back into teams playing against Rangers now. But Rangers have always... You brought up about wages. You, you said Rangers have always had that. Um, yeah, but they sign nonsense. And now they... Oh. <laughs> I think they've got some good... But is it not? Is it not a case? Is that not a case of then? Okay, they've got players of better quality, but they also ha- now have a manager and a coaching team that are getting the best out of yeah, those players. Yeah, structure. Is it, is, I mean, I don't think many people would have anticipated a Gerard team. You know, when you think of for the way that, that Gerard played, that he would build from the back. But that's very much what he's done. He's gone in. I don't. Know, I think McGregor was kind of tied up before mm-hmm. before Gerard came in, but they've got much better goalkeeper. You've got two, what looks like two pretty good centre halves. He's brought in another few few fullbacks and and uh, Flanagan. It's like and a perfect football manager game. You start yeah. a game and you get it all lined up and you're like, right, I need this, this, this. Maybe that's what he was doing in LA. He was just playing football manager in preparation, knowing <laughs> knowing the day would come. I would believe it, and I don't think it's a stupid idea either. Gerard's been outspoken since he arrived in Scotland, and he had a few reasons to be upset after losing Jamie Murphy. What looked like a quite a serious injury, um, twisting his knee on the synthetic surface at, at Rugby Park. You know, Gerard said plastic pitches should not be allowed. What do you think of the plastic pitches? I don't think it's great for a professional. I mean, I remember as a as a boy playing on the actual pitch at Airdrie because we could play seven sides on it. It was great, yeah. but I don't think it's uh, the best thing for what Gerard described as elite football. Mm. Yeah, he did say it, and he was. I like that he's calling Rangers versus Killy elite football. I think that's showing respect. I think it's showing respect to to their manager, who is you know been at elite level, Steve Clark, who was assistant at Liverpool when Gerard was there as well. So they know each other really well. He wants to legitimise it, and he's right to do it. I mean, mm-hmm. to say this, and I don't see so a lot of the pitches, especially the ones in the Premier League down south, uh, they're all. Uh, <laughs> is that funny? Uh, they're all. Um, uh, mixed, they're hybrid, you know. So they've got grass and the special magic stuff that it mixes in, so mm-hmm. they can keep them. Now the problem we've got in Scotland is that our pitches are nonsense. For example, where I grew up in a small Aberdeenshire town, um, the pitches we used to play on. There was one down at the school that was just always it's on a <laughs> on a slope downward hill. There was one with a massive hole, like a literal massive dip in the middle that you had to run around for part of your game. And there was the big park which had just mud everywhere. So wherever you went. You can never read a pass. If you played a pass to someone, it would bobble, bobble, bobble. You can't possibly predict it. So your control, on one hand, might be inc- like Ronaldo level because you've learned to deal with a mm-hmm. dice roll of a pass, but you shouldn't have to learn to play football with a dice roll of a pass. So if, like in Iceland, they've got hundreds of these pitches, 4G pitches, as far as the eye can see. So they replaced, they've taken all the grass out. Every front garden is a, is a 4G pitch. And so that's why everyone in Iceland's good at football. Well, I, I, so I, know, I, know the, I know the issue is because... You know, it's it's the contact for you know on your ah, knees yes. and then your hips and all that jazz. Look, St George's has three G pitches. England national setup has three G pitches. That is elite level. Yes. yes, but I think that it's also. I mean, a lot of those pitches, I mean, they might be used for training games and stuff, but they're used for for different 
sessions, I think. I think when you're going in and you've basically you've got, for example, in Murphy's injury, when you're having to turn mm. on small, you know, mm-hmm. tight mm-hmm. spaces, mm-hmm. it can cause it can cause a problem. And I think the problem isn't isn't necessarily that it is a three G or four G pitch or whatever. It's that it's not a good four G pitch <laughs> like you do get as a uh, it. different, different grades. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's the thing. There there is an obvious solution. Red Ash Parks. I played on a Red Ash Park in Greenock, and I was telling JJ about this before the show. It was horrible. <laughs> it was horrible. And I remember my friend playing centre-forward. He was clean through on goal. I think it was 2-2 at the time, and he got scythed down, and he travelled for about 10 metres, and his legs were a state. Oh, let's not... I don't think there are any Red Ash pitches anymore up in Scotland. Certainly not uh, uh... Does that, does that coincide with us not qualifying for a major tournament for 20 years? <laughs> Possibly. There's something about Chris Boyd, right, for Kilmarnock. I know this is a deranged now. But I just really love Chris Boyd now. You know, he's going to be some sort of national treasure, like <laughs> like Nessie. Like Nessie. <laughs> You'll be going to like... Similar body shape as well. <laughs> but he's a, he sort of takes these games in as though he's still playing legit. You know, he's a he's a good player. Yeah, Still. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Also, talking football manager, I was looking through his stats earlier to see how they rate him. And all is like, they, you know, the scouts for them still think he's very good at his positioning, his finishing and all that, and they're dead right. And his pace is five. That's, well, that's Generous. It's going to make you feel a bit <laughs> sad, isn't it? We need to move on, uh, talk about Rangers in the Europa League. Mm. Um, they face um, FC Ufa on Thursday after seeing off Maribor 3-1 over two legs. Uh, this is interesting. Have you seen this story about Ufa might not be able to see this fi- fixture out because of visas? Please tell me more. So this may be a political Russian-UK issue, but the UFA board came out um, and said that they may not be able to play this fixture because they don't have visas. So the team might not be able to travel. I'm sure UEFA would get involved before... Well, well, what what was said was that it normally takes five days. Yeah. Which I mean, I, isn't I'm, long enough. <laughs> yeah, well, the, the thing with this, the tight turnarounds of playing so many consecutive rounds back to back normally we think about it from the fans point of view it doesn't give fans much chance to uh, prepare trips and things even if they do turn up I do <laughs> I do think that uh, Rangers will fancy their chances if you look at I mean if it was two two qualifying rounds to get to this stage they squeeze past progress the famous uh, progress of course, yes. corn. Yeah. I mean what's not great for Rangers is they play the second leg away Four days ahead of going to Parkhead as well, mm. so that may be uh, that may come into consideration. They need to qualify. They are, the money that Rangers have in them just now is, I'd imagine, based a lot on fut- on projected earnings from European football. So it, you know they really need to get through that. You're listening to the Totally Scottish Football Show with Andrew Slaven. Premiership leaders Hearts edged to victory over Championship Dunfermline 1-0 on Saturday. Summer signing Ollie Lee striking with 11 minutes left to break Parr's hearts. Michael Crawford from Dunfermline fan site Parr's Review joins us now. Dunfermline had the better chances in the game. Um, you know, he had Hearts goalkeeper Zdenek Zlamal with some inspired saves. Yeah, I mean, we, we went into the game uh, slightly concerned, you know. Obviously, Hearts had just beaten Celtic the week before. And uh, after a good start to the season, um, we had lost to Ross County last weekend. So a wee bit concerned, but to be honest, we we were very very proud of the team on Saturday. We uh, dominated the game for large spells, and looked every inch a Premiership team ourselves. 
and were absolutely uh, gutted to lose the game in the end. Uh, if it wasn't for the the Hearts goalkeeper and uh, we hit the post as well, we really should have won the game. So proud of the team, frustrated though at the same time. Yeah, yeah I mean, I think you've got a lot to be proud of. Hearts didn't play a second string team at all. You know, Ekpe, no, up front, no, McLean, no. Naismith. Um, you know, Dunfermline definitely held their own. Yeah, very much so. Yeah, it was uh, the full Hearts team. Obviously, they were missing their captain, Christoph Berra, but, you know, we've got a couple of players out injured too, so both teams were at full strength. And as I say, you know, we, we took the game to them. We played very, very good football. Um, uh, one of the best performances I've seen from a Dunfermline team in some time. Are you uh, are you very upset to be out of that? Because I know the championship is very very competitive, and so I don't know how, what you expect Dunfermline's chances are of coming up this season. Was the league you know, cup really prioritising the championship for sure this season? Um, since Alan Johnston joined us as manager, you know we've progressed every season, winning League One, then finishing fifth, then finishing uh, third last season. So really, we want to you know push on this season and definitely in the playoffs, if not going for the title as well. So the Challenge Cup is more of a hindrance, which is why last week he played 11 completely different players and uh, we still managed to win the game. Uh, <laughs> the League Cup less so, you know, but uh, I, as you say, the Championship is definitely our priority this season, yeah. Do you have enough in the team this year to come up? I think we've got a, a good team. We have a, a reasonably good bench, if we had one or two injuries in certain areas, such as defence, I'd be concerned for us uh, because only last week we had two centre-halves missing and we had to play a left-back at centre-half. Um, Alan Johnston is now preferring a 3-5-2 line-up after years of 4-4-2 mm. and he's uh, very much committing to three centre-halves. So... If we had uh, a couple of injuries or suspensions in that area, we might struggle a wee bit. So if we have pretty much all our squad available, I think we are good enough to win the, the title, yes. yeah. Well, you've got, you got plenty of talent there as well. Um, the Longridge uh, brothers, you get Jackson in defence, Louis up front, and you brought them in at the summer. You know, there's, there's a lot of players out there that stand out for me. Yeah, there's a lot of good footballers in the team uh, this season. Um, Johnston's always prefer to play football, you know, he's, he's never been a manager who has, has bought a, a team of giants, you know, such as Ross County, for example, but, um, you know, the two Longridge brothers have been fantastic for us, Jackson is very much a, a modern left wing back who likes to get up the park, and of course we already had Ryan Williamson on the right side, so we've got two very much attacking fullbacks. Louis Longridge has been uh, excellent as well, playing in a kind of attacking midfield role. Uh, technically, really good footballer. Definitely one of one of our best signings, yeah. Hearts have looked very impressive this season so far. Positive start, really great start. Yeah, far less defensive than I'd have expected. Yeah, I mean, they're still a very much a Levine team in the sense that very physical, big, strong forwards, Nick yeah. Piazzo and Lafferty, presuming Lafferty hangs around um, but yeah I think the big thing for Hearts is that even last season which wasn't a great season they were very strong at Tynecastle once they got back there um, but yeah to win it at Hamilton so convincingly as they did in the first day of the season and then mm. fair enough it sounds like they they had to uh, grind it out a bit but to win again away from home is uh, very promising 
I know we spoke about we spoke at Hearts last week. We mm-hmm. talked about um, hearing in particular and how he managed to open up the, the play. But it's tough against these championship teams and lower premiership ones. Yeah, I mean, you heard Michael say that the championships obviously the the, the main goal for them. But Hearts should really be looking at this League Cup as a real incentive for them, shouldn't well, they? Play Motherwell at home in the quarters, I think. Mm-hmm. So um, who haven't had such a great start? Yeah, to I mean, I think that's especially if, if Rangers have improved as much as we think they have. I mean, third might be might be a bit of a a battle for third between Hibs Hearts and Aberdeen. It's still a battle for all. It's still a battle for second, I think. Yeah, well, title challenge. Celtic were faced with the prospect of losing three games in a row for the first time in over eleven years. But after being pegged back by Partick Thistle in the early kickoff, late goals from Musa Dembele and Tom Rogic led Brendan Rodgers' side to a three-one victory. We're joined now by Partick Thistle fan Callum Stewart. Callum, you gave Celtic a bit of a scare with that equaliser. Yeah, no, it was good. I thought I thought potentially we were going to do something, but Thistle being Thistle, got two late goals against us. Describe the goal to us by um, Mbuyi Mutombo. Am I saying that right? Yes, yeah. So I think he's he's ex Inverness. He's he's done the rounds a bit. But you know what? It wasn't actually. I mean, it was a great goal in at the bottom corner, but it was actually the young boy Fitzpatrick that set up the goal. So what happened was. He's, I think he's he's about he's Aiden, Aiden Fitzpatrick. He's come through the sort of youth system. He jinked through a couple of Celtic players, squared it to the boy. Lovely finish. But he's only 17, so you know he looks he looks he looks the real deal. What do you make of the lineup and how they approach that game? See, this was big problem is we kind of we we don't get sort of in other teams' faces enough. Yeah. So it was quite it was quite nice actually playing against a team like Celtic where. You know, I mean, obviously they're miles better than us, but we were able to kind of play our own game, which is a lot more sort of passing, free flowing type of thing. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I thought I thought we played well. I liked I liked as well. We had James Penrice in midfield, so he's kind of he's another one of the sort of youth players that's come through the ranks. And up until the other day, we were always playing him as wing back. Mm-hmm. So the fact that he was in midfield, he kind of you know he, he got stuck in bit of a kind of a a younger version of Scott Brown back in his hip stage, you know. He's got that dangerous thing where he's wearing a, a the number that doesn't correspond with his position. Aye, exactly. exactly. <laughs> you look at the opposition players thinking, is, is he is, is he in the right position? What's going on here? It's a yeah. cunning, cunning ploy. Just uh, in case you weren't sure, he's a number three and he's playing a, as a six on that, that Partick team. I like it. <laughs> it's infuriating. What, what have you made to the start of the season overall? I mean, I imagine beating Celtic it's... wasn't really, uh, and going, getting far in the League Cup wasn't the top priority after going down last no, season. No, no, I mean, to be honest, like the problem is because end of last season we just we kind of limped out the league I was really really disappointed you know because we've got we had some really nice footballing players but we didn't actually do anything with them or you know when push came to shove we just weren't there we just weren't at the races you know so like the sort of away to Kilmarnock away to Hearts we just we just didn't turn up so this season it's kind of it started a kind of bit of the same where no real bite no real kind of John Lambie-esque you know like you know you, you need to get a point so by God you'll do you'll kick, scream, whatever to get that point. But, you know, I think the game against Dundee United is going to be massive because, you know, is it a case of we've had a good run in the League Cup but actually not much has changed or is that the turning point of, right, we're going to start kicking and screaming and try to get points every which way, you know? Partick were a top six two years ago and yeah. then relegated last season. Yeah. What's the sort of feeling for you and other fans? Do you think... Is it looking good for this season to come straight back up or do you reckon there's a bit of a rebuild to do? 
I think there's a bit of a rebuild to do. I think we've still, on, I mean, the first game of the season, we had something like four subs and two of them were youth players. Okay. You know, so we've not, I mean, I don't think we've done recruitment very well. I think we've brought in a few good faces and guys like Penrith and Fitzpatrick who are coming up from the youth ranks. They can't play every week. I mean, they're 17, 18, you know, I mean, like they're young, they're young boys. So I think in that sense, we maybe I'd 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 be happy for sort of mid table finish, consolidate and then push up for next season. I know that sounds I know that sounds really kind of you know, it doesn't sound very positive, but I mean it's a tough league. You know, I mean you look at Inverness, Ross County, Dundee United, it's a tough even even like Air United, you know, they've got that boy Shankland that looks phenomenal. Yep. Scored again at the weekend. Alan Archibald, you know, has been there for a while now. When relegation happened he said it was like a death in the family. Yeah. Um, are you Still behind, Alan. You know, is he is he the man to keep keep you going forward? I th- I think so. I mean, I mean, first of all, I don't think there's there's much out there. You know, I mean, I can't I can't see any managers that would be sort of doing better just now. I think though, it definitely. I mean, it, it kind of it comes back to that John Lambie thing for me, where you know when you are away from home and you need to get a result, can he do it? So I, I'm for the foreseeable future, yes, definitely behind him. But there's some big, big fixtures coming up that will that will definitely test his managerial credentials. You know, because it's I mean, what is it? What is it like? They say that you know you don't look for a guy when they're winning two 0 You look for a guy when you're two one down. How they play. So I suppose it's the same in management. So Celtic, you know, uh, unfortunate to exit the Champions League at AAK Athens in midweek. Chris Sutton had a rant about the millions of pounds spent on disco lights and not players at Celtic Park. <laughs> Pretty funny. Uh, a really sad party they can have. Yeah, but, yeah. but it's it's Europa League now for them. They, they travel to the Lithuanian side, Suduva, on Thursday um, in the Europa League qualifying round. And Brendan Rodgers has came out and said, Dedrick Boyata, despite effectively going on strike for the AEK game, may possibly play. Do you think he should be welcomed into the first team? What do you think of this whole situation? It's a bit of a farce, but I think everyone's to blame. Is it Rogers to blame, Board's to blame, Boyata's to blame. His they, agent definitely to blame. Well, they knew Boyata was going into the last year of his contract. Mm. He wasn't likely to sign a new one, so he was going to need to be replaced anyway. Then Fulham came with an absolute godsend, it would seem to be, with supposedly £9 million, which... I think most Celtic fans would have taken a third of that or less for, for Bayata. And the board had to turn it down because they got themselves into a situation where they had no fit or good centre half <laughs> to play a Champions League qualifier yeah. to keep Boyata, who then refused to play anyway, so you may as well have sold him. Do you think Celtic are maybe unfortunate that the English transfer window was finished earlier this year? Because if it was still open till the end of the season, they could have played Boyata and said, listen, we'll sell you to Fulham for nine, ten million. But can you just get us to the Champions League? I mean, you've got teams in Europe who wanted him. Lazio were quite keen. Mm-hmm. There's a couple others. And that might have affected him. It sounds like he just wants to go to somewhere uh, different. I don't want to say bigger because that's not nice because our league is amazing. Uh, but you go to Lazio or something like that. I think about eight to ten million is about his value considering what if you get him a five-year deal, what, what will he be in the future? It's but based on the fact he's only got a year in his contract which would normally bring <sighs> down point, yeah. valuation. I retract my statement and make it six million is what I would say he's worth. However, <laughs> um, I, yeah, I kind of agree. It's kind of a farce. I know people are saying that he should never play again and the board have gone um, quickly to try and smooth it over and say, no, 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 there's no problem. He'll... 
I think if he were to sign a new contract and there was a, a possibility of him staying long term, they might be able to get over it. But given he's probably going to leave anyway, I don't really see the point bringing him back for. They just put him a new contract with a uh, release clause in it, you know, to a foreign club. Stick that in for six million, just trigger it, so they get him another year, and he stays happy, he gets a bit more cash in his pocket. Might work. Although I was told earlier by someone, I was just about to bring this up. Sneaky little rumor going around about Scott McKenna from Aberdeen, potentially. Um, the rumor is he's going, he, he might go to Celtic. It's not com- like a weird rumor. Com- conversations yeah. apparently happening uh, there. Celtic scouting team now sort of exceeds to Man City's academy and the rest of the SPL. On Spotify, smart speaker, and podcast platforms everywhere, this is the Totally Scottish Football Show from Muddy Knees Media. Bounce three here for Doherty. Bounce around. Doherty Scott! Soccer! A big goal! Less than six minutes to go. Is that the goal which takes Larson City into the last 32? It may have been a bad week for Celtic in Europe, but there were scenes of celebration elsewhere in Glasgow. That's because Glasgow City women made history by progressing to the last 32 of the Champions League. I'm delighted to say their manager, former Scotland striker Scott Booth, joins us now. Scott, you knew you had to beat Polish champions Gornik Leszna by a score bigger than 1-0, otherwise Anderlecht would have um, went through on goal difference. You were 1-0 up, six minutes to go. What was going through your head at that point? I didn't actually know that there was only six minutes to go when we when we scored. The, the, the sort of second uh, half passed so quickly, and we were just focused on trying to to get that next goal. Um, and we we had a number of possibilities before that, but it was just great to to, to, to get the goal when it came, and it was a, a really good finish from Sam Kerr. Uh, Sam Kerr, speaking of her, she's 19. You signed her at the age of 16. Captain Scotland at various youth levels. Uh, what sort of talent do you think she is? Oh, she's a massive talent because she um, has really progressed so much since uh, bringing her in. And we brought her in, she was really young, um, but we knew right from the start that she had all the attributes to be a, a top player for us and for, for Scotland going forward. And so she's still well, she's still going to get better as she gets older. She's developing her game and uh, she's added goals. Uh, over the last few weeks, which is something that we've been working on for quite a while now. And, uh, you know, she's a, a, an all-round midfield player that can play slightly deeper. She can also play further up the park. She is incredibly fit. So, from from that perspective, a perfect sort of midfield player and her, her attitude is also spot on. With Sam Kerr's winner for you guys, you've got Barcelona in the last 32. Samasio Barcelona of Cyprus. What do you know about them? They're yet to concede a goal in the Champions League this season. It must be must be a tough ask. Yeah, I mean, all the all the, the, the teams that, that were in the, the, the draw were, were were good sides, and you know there were sides there were definitely sides in there that we we really did want to to avoid, um, but. You know that whoever you, you you get in the last 32, it's going to be a real challenge, and uh, and this is no different. You know, I was I was I was quietly uh, pleased that it wasn't actually Barcelona. Um, <laughs> but, uh, still, this side I've seen them play already, and and they're a good side. And um, as you say, their record from the the qualifying group is, is excellent. Scored goals, didn't concede, and uh, I can see why having watched them now. Um, so yeah, it'll be a tough ask, but. It, it is, a, it is a, a, it's doable for us. That's the way I would put it. Um, you know, we we would have to play 
at our best and we'd have to do that over the two legs and you know that's what we intend to do and you know the, the fact that we, we do know that we can get through this if we play our best is, is something that's going to give us confidence. Glasgow City's best achievement was getting to the quarterfinals four years ago. Not the best achievement, but that was their record so far in the competition. They lost against PSG four years ago. So are you going to yeah. match that or beat that? Is the trophy coming home? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think that may be uh, a little bit too much to ask, given the, the, the quality of the sides that that are in this tournament and the ones that are, you know, year on year into the last stages, you know, semi-final, final, some massive clubs there with, with real financial clout um, around Europe. So, you know, it's for us, it's about, yeah, right now, the next step is to, to make it through this one to the last 16. And if we, if we get there, which is a big ask, but the players are, are looking forward to it and we are confident that we can do it if we can, then you know we'll we'll take we'll take who, whoever comes out of the the hat for us because it would just be nice to get to that stage. You, you bring up the the you know the financial clout that some of the other European women's sides may have. You know I'm just thinking about what for the wider um, women's game in Scotland. What would it mean for for Glasgow to progress further? And you know what are the dif- the differences between yourselves and other teams? Well, I think. You know, uh, there's a, there's a number of different differences in, in in different countries with with the big big clubs because of their finances. They have their own training grounds. Unfortunately, we don't, uh, and it would be it would be nice to be helped uh, in that in that way because at, at the moment we are the, the the top side in Scotland. We would like to to you know get get a little bit of help as far as where we train, the quality of the training grounds, whether it's a, a, a school um, field or one of the um, council-run playing fields. We'd just like a, a little bit more uh, help in that department. But we get a lot of support from from uh, various sponsors. We have unbelievable volunteers that work in the background and the, the foreground for nothing and, and other than the, the, the love of the game and trying to, to, to better the women's game. And there's lots of, lots of areas that still needs developed within the, the women's game. But um, I think if we, if we were to get to the last 16, then it certainly helps promote women's football again in, in, in Scotland. Um, and that's, that, I think, is one of the main tasks, is to keep the women's game at the forefront, you know, as far as the media is concerned, trying to keep doing, you know, great things in order to get some level of of publicity and, and, and hope to generate more kids playing the game um, and also more people coming to, to watch the games. It's time to look around the grounds now. It's our man Craig Anderson with the headlines from League One and Two. With the Championship taking a week off for the Betfred Cup action, it meant League One and League Two were given some limelight and these leagues are already shaping up for some tasty battles. While our both remain top of League One, Airdrieonians are right next to them in second place after a hard-fought victory over Stenhouse Muir at Oakleview. Airdrie's day didn't get off to the best of starts as Scott Robertson was ordered off after 13 minutes when he felled Alan Cook as the Stenny winger looked to run through on goal. Stephen Finlay's side took the lead just before the break when Kieran McDonald's cross found Ryan Conroy who sent the ball into the net with a header. Stenhouse Muir were back on level terms just before the break when Sean Crichton scored an own goal but the visitors got themselves ahead again to claim the win with Conroy netting the second of the game giving the team from Lanarkshire something to celebrate at the final whistle. 
East Fife remain bottom of League One but got their first league point of the season with a 2-2 draw against Wraith Rovers at Starts Park in a game where three of the goals came from the penalty spot. In League Two, Annan Athletic moved themselves into joint first behind on goal difference to Peterhead with a 3-1 win over Queen's Park at Gala Bank that settled with four goals in the first seven minutes of the second half. Tommy Muir put Annan in front just after the break which was cancelled out by Smart Osladolor shortly after. Ryan Cinnamon gave Peter Murphy's men the smell of victory a couple of minutes later with Aidan Smith adding the crucial third to see off Gus McPherson's side. Edinburgh City made it two wins out of three in the league with a 3-1 win over Stirling Albion that leaves the fourth bank outfit second bottom with no points to show for their efforts. Scott Shepherd was first to score with a penalty after he was filled by Kel Banner but Stirling equalised on 54 minutes thanks to Mark Stewart. The citizens nudged in front ahead through Conrad Balatoni, with Danny Handling shot needing something of a deflection off Jordan Allen to confirm a good home win for City, who are up to fourth after this display. Elsewhere in the Betfred Cup, Aberdeen 4, St Mirren now. Uh, Aberdeen were absolutely superb, mm. St Mirren were not. But um, uh, Aberdeen played uh, some new players, little Frank Ross got a game, he was good. Uh, Scott Wright, uh, was fantastic. He's so fun to watch. He look like I get. He just looks up and he constantly wants to go forward. And he's got real skill, real good close ball control. Um, can go past people. He set up Stevie May for that goal. He could mm-hmm. have taken it himself. Mm-hmm. And another thing I like about when Aberdeen scored, each of the goals, the entire team went over to celebrate. You know that shows good team spirit, unity. Yes, and that was uh, that was actually really nice to see. Did Wilson play? No, uh, James Wilson did not play. So he's just. Uh, McInnes is always very cautious with bringing people in. And what's one of the complaints a lot of people have made about him over his time at Aberdeen is that he's very cautious with his tactics, his players, and he looks after them. But Wilson, I'd imagine, will be given time to, you know, settle in, find somewhere to live, that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the things I took out of it as well was that Graham Shinney is superb as a left back. And in that Aberdeen team, he starts as a left back. And uh, ends up being like an inverted fullback, so he comes into the midfield. So it adds to the you don't lose the energy from midfield that you need. And Lewis Ferguson, my, uh, he is such a player, like <laughs> on the pitch. <laughs> I have no idea what he does after. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how often he's been to Exodus or anything like that. In a couple of years, it looks like he could be a proper, like a real not McLean replacement, but he's is. Uh, I'd put him in the, the first team straight away now. And the inverted fullbacks thing for their uh, evidence that Pep Guardiola is inspired by Derek McInnes. Yes, I remember him saying that. <laughs> <laughs> Aberdeen have Hibs. Yep. Which is probably, I'd say, the highlight of the, the draw for yeah, the quarter, quarterfinal. I wouldn't wouldn't disagree. Yeah. Um, Hibs beat Ross County 3-2. <sighs> Played a second-string team, really. Took a calculated risk and it, it paid off for Neil Lennon. Hibs are great fun this season. It's like 3-2 mm. is kind of like your average Hibs score. But, uh, Stevie, Stevie Mallon scored again He's been very good mm-hmm. I think uh, Horgan who got the winner For Hibs is an interesting one as well You know Republic of Ireland uh, Internationalist and he's he's wanting more games He's came in from Preston, Preston I think yeah. I mean, He was really highly thought of In the League of Ireland Went down to Preston I think he had quite a good start last season And then fell out of favour So I think he could be, could be an interesting option Ambrose made one of his Textbook errors from Ambrose. He's he's such a good centre half, but he is so prone to a silly mistake. I think that was why you could question: Is he really a good centre? I know what you mean. Like, yeah, that a lot of the time he looks really good and comfortable, but you know the uh, the massive error is is always it's always around the corner. Mm -hmm. Queen of the South two, St Johnston four. I felt really sorry for Queen of the South. They played really well and it took it to extra time. St Johnston. 
have finally worked out to score. Tony Watt. Tony Watt. Best day of Tony Watt's career since Barcelona. <laughs> Two goals <laughs> made the Queen in the South. Yeah, yeah. Well, they've got a decent reward coming up against Celtic now in the quarterfinals. Sure. I mean, it's going to be very difficult to get past. It's difficult, but you know, you want you want to face the best teams, right? Speaking speaking of pitches, McDermott's often not the best. It's maybe, it's maybe just early enough in the year for Celtic not to to struggle too much. Mm. But yeah, getting into November, December, even by May, it's still not great. Do you want to know why Queen of the South are called the Dunhamers? Do I? Yeah, I do. Please tell me. So, so Queen of the South, Dunhamers, uh, other nicknames, and most people who come from there are called oh, you're Dunhamers. So, ye olden times, you know, building the railways and and Clyde shipyard, all that jazz. Apparently, everyone, you know, after I'm I'm kind of you know dramatizing this a little bit but you know everyone would finish work and be oh do you fancy a pint or oh, do I get some food I don't think that really happened <laughs> going out for lunch <laughs> um, but yeah vegans, everyone vegans. yeah everyone yeah everyone would go back home you know if you were from the area you know the lowland areas you'd go back home so everyone in Glasgow and all that jazz would be like oh they're they're doing hammers so that's why or they go back down home for those English listeners so Dundee nil, Air United three, pretty amazing from Air. Two goals from our man Shankland, who we've talked about quite a bit. You know, possibly um, there was talk about a move to Dundee for him, um, but he's he's a very exciting player. Yeah, I was a bit surprised by that, just in the sense that a team further up the league than Dundee aren't looking at Shankland, to be honest. Well, Shankland's had a weird career, so he never really got a game for Aberdeen. So he came through Aberdeen. Mm-hmm. I think he's from Glasgow though, originally, and uh, had to move somewhere to get playing time. Um, and he was spell at Morton, I think. And at Air, he's finally got game time, and he's sure enough, he's found out of you know find the back of the net. So maybe there's a reason that no one higher up's taking him on. But he's playing very well just now. You have uh, Musa sent off, mm, so yeah. he's got his yellow card, right? Neil McCann is going. He goes into challenge, and it could, it could go either way. A yellow card for a, a tussle in the air, go for a header, right? And McCann on the sideline is raging, shouting him, "You've got a yellow card!" Uh, I don't know another Scottish descriptive words he was calling him afterwards, and he's shouting at him. And then Musa, immediately after, barges into the boy. I can't remember who's barges into. Yep, sends yep. him flying. It puts his, his his forearm into the back of his head, which, as you know, is not allowed in the in football. It's not a nudge. They're not yeah, allowed Scottish to. Scottish football. It's a man's game. And uh, he goes down, and it's just, uh, yellow, and he's gone. And you think, what? What uh, are you doing? Uh, his... To be fair to me, so after the whole Morellis and Naismith gates of the past two weeks, he probably thinks it's pretty much impossible to get sent off in Scottish football anymore. Yeah, so. I think he was just testing it, yeah. testing the water. But what a problem McCann's got there? Is he lost that player? Is it no respect for him? Is he not listening to him? Is he stupid? Like, yeah. what's he playing? I think it's. I, I feel sorry for McCann because he's clearly he's done the right thing as a manager, saying you know watch it. If he's not listening to you, just hook him. And I would be amazed if he, you know, plays again. Well, see, if he hadn't got booked for that second yellow, he'd have been off. Definitely, they would have just subbed him and got rid. They cannot score. And I get the boy Mendy up front said last week, but I mean, we've talked to Patrick Barkley saying that yeah. you know, he's got better finishing. But he had a couple of shots on target in this game, and there had no venom behind him. There's no power or anything. There seemed like a real lack of unity between Dundee. I, I, it's it's. It was one of those where really, actually, we should just be celebrating Air United and the way that they played and the, the goals that they scored were excellent, absolutely excellent. And now they've got, you know, I think this is probably the best reward for any team is getting uh, a game against Rangers. They go to Ibrooks. Yeah. Quarterfinals. 
Uh, and good on them. Yeah, and if they play like they did against Dundee, um, I think Rangers will take more of their chances and they will get more chances than Dundee did. Yeah, like I said, Rangers just look genuinely quite good. So they're mm. probably going to go through that. But you never know. Also, one thing I liked about that game. So you saw maybe in a, down, down south, there's a boy, Ederson, who... Um, I keep saying the boy. I don't know if you noticed that. Boy. I keep saying the, the boy. boy. I don't normally do this, by the way. Um, but Ederson hit this beautiful 80-yard pass to Sergio Aguero, who scored. Ross Doohan did something <laughs> very similar yeah. to Lawrence Franklin. Yeah. The Scottish Ederson. Does yes. he also have a terrible neck tattoo? He's a footballer, so probably. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Uh, but yeah, uh, Shanklin's really come on, and I think it won't be too long before you see him getting linked with clubs higher up. In air, if they keep him and keep going, they could easy. Well, yeah, they, they in the mix, yeah. yeah. Oh, he's, he's, he signed a contract extension in the summer, didn't he? Or just before the summer. There's always one team who comes in the mix that you didn't expect, and it could well be air this time. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next Monday after Hibs take on Aberdeen in the Premiership. We'll speak to you then. You've been listening to the Totally Scottish Football Show, a Muddy Knees Media production. For sales and advertising, email sales at muddykneesmedia.com and make sure you check out our other football podcasts, the Totally Football League Show with Caroline Barker and, of course, the Totally Football Show with James Richardson. Totally Scottish.